It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for The Athletic, Sam Amick. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Sam, how you doing? You had an interesting week. Anything interesting happened to you this week? No, I'm pretty slow, guys. Trying to figure out what what to write about. I don't know how, how you guys' weeks are going. <laughs> hey, it, our week is is going great. Uh, I know it's not going terrific for the Jazz at the moment, but playoff basketball, as you know, is is super super fun. But uh, you, you've, sure. we've been following your reporting closely, uh, talking about the Mavericks, and I'm kind of trying to think of the best place to start with it all. So maybe I'll ask just that. Take us to the to the start, uh, reporting this story and and how it has generated so much fallout. Um, yeah, I mean, certainly it's funny. I was sitting here chatting with my wife for a second, and she's kind of seen all the different, you know, ups and downs of doing this job over the years. And, and I always think back to as far as, like, crazy days on the job, you know, when I had one year broken the Dwight Howard free agency move, and, you know, and, and then his agent, the late Dan Fagan, had called me out on it, and it was all this chaos. Like, that was always the uh, the wildest day on the gig, and, and this is probably up there. Um, it's not just one day, though. It's obviously been a couple of days here. We, we were obviously well aware of the issues happening within the mask and truthfully had been putting a story together for quite some time on those issues and deciding what to use, what not to use, and continuing to make phone calls and decide what to go with. Um and then when they lose in the playoff series, naturally you're going to, you know, start getting closer to, to running something, but did not anticipate this. I mean, Donnie Nelson, you know, being fired with Carlisle leaving, um, just the entire Mavericks operation being turned on its head is, is pretty wild. So, Sam, well, we would recommend all our listeners uh, check out what you've written. But can you sort of summarize for those who have not seen it, uh, what, I mean, what caused the problem here um i I mean it's funny because you guys know the nba well you know like internal power structures and how like what what a healthy dynamic is and what maybe an unhealthy dynamic is and i say that because it's like there's there's you know there's people within every organization where you know they might bring something to the table of value in whatever role they're given but it, it is fairly important for folks to, to have like a some clarity about um, roles, clarity about influence, clarity about who's got the final call and communication structures and things like that. So what we had shed light on on Monday was that the Mavericks for years have had a guy named, uh, that people call him Bob, his real name is Haralabob Bulgaris, who is a professional gambler, which honestly, guys, we, we haven't even hit on that enough. Like I think that is a big part of the story is, He's, he's somebody who made a lot of Mavericks employees uncomfortable from the get-go for the simple fact that he came from the gambling world. So uh, a very wealthy guy, a professional gambler, who had shown a, an ability to be strong on the analytics front and to break down the game in the kind of way that Mark Cuban, the Mavericks owner, thought was valuable. So formally, he gets added to the team in 2018. He was working essentially on contract even before that. And he's been there for a minute, but you know what we had finally decided to report was that his 
influence had continued to grow to the point where other teams were sharing that, you know, trade calls were happening with him and not Donnie Nelson or maybe both. And the, you know, that clarity of roles that I talked about before wasn't there. Um, Donnie was definitely not feeling, um, the, you know, this development, nor was Rick Carlisle, who would, would have a lot of pressure from um, Bulgaris and, and by proxy Cuban, you know, rotations getting impacted during key playoff games, game plans being set. And, and so it's, again, that's, that's all fine if there's synergy and everybody's believing in one another, but, but Vulgaris uh, is just not well-liked within the organization. And so the development this week was that, that rather than, you know, listen to a lot of the employees and, and really Donnie, who went to, to Mark and told him about his concerns, uh, Mark went the other way. And Donnie was fired, and, and, and then Rick, you know, followed him out the door. So I guess I want to ask uh, about you, Sam, because it's been an interesting week. Mark Cuban's reaction to your reporting on Monday was to uh, use a naughty word and call it uh, and call it BS. But then the fallout from it is what you just described. They part ways with their president of basketball operations and uh, their head coach. And, uh, you know, that's that's pretty significant. So I guess. From your perspective, what's it like to have somebody like Mark Cuban and he use his platform to say that? But then, you know, uh, the the fall. If it were BS, I guess why the fallout? I mean, what what's been that like, been like from your perspective? Um, it's kind of I keep just saying it's you know maybe in my younger years it would have made me lose some sleep, but I mean it was. I'm not trying to play it cool, but it, it we listen. We felt. Uh, incredibly good about the reporting. This is one of those stories that Gordon, like I always kind of say, you can relate. You've been you've been through these experiences. Like you, um, it's one of those stories that you're just in the end. You're relieved that nobody else got to it, and you're kind of shocked by that because it's you know really wasn't. I'm not trying to take away from the reporting, but it wasn't. You know, it was a pretty badly kept secret and something that a lot of people were. Uh, wanting to be known publicly. So I was not surprised by Mark's handling of it. Um, he's, I mean, I like Mark. He's, he's also had a track record the last couple of years of denying right out of the gate and then eventually looking in the mirror and figuring out, you know, the different stuff. I mean, listen, this stuff a couple of years ago was far more serious than this basketball story. But I do think some of the themes remain in terms of their culture and his management style and Things like that. So, it, you know, I mean, again, not trying to be funny. I, my real reaction was, thanks for sharing the story with your 8.4 million followers, Mark. I appreciate <laughs> it. You know, so it was fine. How long before Rick Carlisle's coaching somewhere else, Sam? It's just a matter of, um, of of who, you know, where he falls on everybody's list. You know, the ones to watch is in, in Boston – where he obviously has um, history as a player out there. Um, that, that's a fascinating one because I don't know, you know, we'll see how it plays out. But to this point, you had heard that the Celtics really valued and, and wanted to have more diversity on their staff and that it would probably be, uh, you know, a coach of color. Um, not that that was the only factor by any means, but that it was something they were going to prioritize and, Rick wouldn't check that box, obviously, but um, I wonder if they'll give him a serious look. Um, Milwaukee is another one where tonight's game is going to loom large again for Mike Budenholzer and the question of uh, is he going to be out if they fall short because there certainly has been chatter about the Bucks 
having interest in Carlisle if he did become available. I mean, there was this thing where a lot of teams in around the league, people thought Rick might be on the move. And we, you know, we haven't even gotten into this, but like, you know, Luka Doncic has been pretty frustrated with Rick for quite some time. And I think that part of I haven't talked to Rick or gotten clarity, but if I had to guess, if you're Rick, you're saying, okay, I already know the star players sideways with me, but at least I had the GM having my back. Now the GM's gone. So I think that probably played a part. But, um, you know, Milwaukee and Boston are the ones that come to mind the most. But he's season championship coach, you know, who's got a very good reputation. And, you know, he should be on everybody's list. So, Sam, uh, from your reporting on Monday, uh, you uh, you and Tim seem to indicate that, uh, that Luca's relationship with Bob uh, is not all that terrific either. So, with that in mind, could this be an interesting situation to follow from a player empowerment standpoint? I mean, uh, Luca's going to sign that that Supermax extension because that's the best financial thing to do. But as we've come to learn, you know, the minute he says, you know what, I don't want to play any uh, play here anymore you know, Dallas is going to have to comply. So are they going to have to, I guess, navigate some, some rough waters here to hang on to a generational player? Possibly. You know, I think it's going to be, you know, it's just it's going to have to come in phases, meaning that, you know, the Carlisle move, now again, you know, what's been reported, what we've heard is that he did leave, you know, and it's his choice. And so, but you do kind of look at that and go, all right, if we're being honest, Luke is probably happy about that. And I don't, but I don't know who they're going to give the job to. Jamal Mosley was one of Rick's assistants who has got a fantastic relationship with Luca. And, you know, there were a lot of rumors about Luca wanting Jamal to be the coach. And so we'll see who, who fills that role. But I think that's a positive. Rick being gone is probably a positive for the Luca dynamic. Um, then you're going to wait and see who do you let run the front office. Although those two things are going to happen, I think, the other way around front office first and then coach. But what does Luca think of that person? You know, we wrote a bit about Michael Finley, the former Mav. You know, again, great reputation. Uh, you know, I, I don't know a ton about what people think of the job he's done in an executive um, role, but I think that you could win the press conference with a move like that, and, and maybe you'll be on your way. So uh, it's kind of like when we went into this off season for the teams that have lost, one person who – as, as good as any on the Luca front in terms of knowing how he might see things, had put it this way to me with the Mavs. They said, everybody's on notice. And that was before our story. That was before Donnie. That was before Carla. And that's been stuck in my head. Everybody's on notice. So it's like, all right, well, that, that did bear out. And now two of them are gone. And, uh, and I don't think that that reality has changed. So, Sam, uh, Jake and I were talking earlier about the Jazz's chances after what happened last night, uh, and now that Kawhi is out uh, of their – what are the chances that they can win two in a row against this Clippers team uh, down there in L.A.? And then if they win that back in, in Salt Lake City, uh, what are the odds? It'll be tough. I mean, I, I feel for their group right now because, you know, last night's game, just a matter of – you know, whose perspective you want to look at it through. If you're if you're a Clipper fan, you're not really spending too much time thinking about the Jazz. You're just impressed with Paul George and, you know, his one night of redemption, all this criticism about playoff P. And that was, you know, I mean, I might have recency bias, but that's definitely on Paul's short list of best playoff performances of his career. And, 
and really cuts into that narrative, again, if only for a night, that he's not a big-time performer. I mean, you lost your wingman and uh, and did those kinds of things. That's impressive. And it's like, you know, you know who else can relate is Donovan Mitchell because that's what he was doing earlier in the series. Now, of course, is, is struggling to stay at that same pace. You know, as they continue to play without Mike Conley, it just – I mean, sports will always surprise you, so maybe it flips the other way. But even with Kawhi out, if you're asking me to, you know, evaluate body language and vibe and spirit and the way that both teams are competing, it certainly seems like the Clippers have just decided that even being undermanned, that they're uh, they're ready to go to the conference finals. So tough spot for the Jazz because this is this is a great opportunity. You know, there's not many like postseasons where. It's this wide open where you don't have to run into all of the big boys, the LeBrons and the Stephs, uh, like you do in most years. And so if it continues going down this road and it comes to an end, then, you know, it's going to be, I think, a tough memory for them to, uh, to sit on. So uh, Chris Paul uh, is entering the COVID protocols, and I guess we're going to find out exactly how long he's going to be out coming up. But uh, your thoughts on that situation and walk us through it. How much time is he looking at possibly having to sit? I don't have a ton of clarity on it. I mean, you know, it's it's such a tricky one because, um, you know, I was watching the jump yesterday on ESPN and, you know, a couple of good reporters who are friends, Ramona Shelburne and Mark Spears were on there talking about it. And, uh, but Matt Barnes was on the show too, and Matt had shared that he called Chris and, and confirmed a couple of things. Like they had already said that, you know, Chris tested positive. Um, but then Matt had said that, that Chris indicated that he'd been vaccinated. And so then it's like, man, you have a breakthrough positive test um, that, that uh, you know, conceivably would shorten the protocol time. If you can turn two negative tests, in the next couple of days, if you can pass the hard tests that come as part of the protocol as well, then who knows? Maybe he doesn't miss any time if the Clippers-Jazz series goes to seven games, or maybe he just misses one game. But I, truthfully, I, I don't really, uh, I don't have clarity there at all. I just I feel bad for him because you know the guy has already gotten over the shoulder injury and and had a fantastic finish to the Denver series. And it was kind of sizing up to be a lot of fun in the conference finals, whoever they played against. And it would be super unfortunate if he wasn't out there. So, Sam, we all get these uh, these reports from the Wizards in Vegas, as Jake likes to call them, about the odds on certain things happening and whatnot. And I just noticed in this last one uh, that we got, uh, it talks about the odds as far as the Celtics' next head coach the Pelicans' next head coach, the Wizards' head coach, and there, there Becky Hammond is on each one of those lists. And I'm curious from you, to hear from you, is the NBA ready to have a female head coach? Um, I think it's a weird answer. I think the NBA is, but I don't necessarily think that means that an individual organization is this offseason. I could be wrong. I just, it feels like this thing's going to come in phases. It's going to be Becky Hammond gets on a bench, and that's historic news, and she does that for a few years, and then some other women follow suit and get good opportunities and make the most of them, and 
you know, show everybody that this is probably how it should have been quite some time ago. And then those women, a lot of the better ones, become candidates. But, you know, I don't know. I just, I'm not hearing that it feels like it would take an organization that, you know, that has a vacancy right now and that has behind the scenes, uh, you know, decided they're going to commit to hiring the best woman to, to kind of go try to go down that road. And I'm not hearing that. doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Um, if it did happen, there's part of me also that says I'm not necessarily sure. You know, I, I very much think it could be somebody other than Becky Hammond who gets that first head coaching job. Um, you know, some of the names out there now, Don Staley getting an interview in Portland. Uh, Kara Lawson is one that I always kind of go back to because when she became, you know, and this is former Sacramento Monarchs player, you know, from Tennessee, um, coaching at Duke now, but former Boston Celtics assistant coach, I, you know, she, she just did an incredible job in Boston. And what got my attention was like, man, you know, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, all of them, like these guys are loving her and like listening to her and respecting her and praising her and all these things. And that's the kind of like vibe and dynamic it's going to take. And, you know, so I think Kara very well could wind up eventually being a uh, head coach herself. So we'll see. But I, I, as far as handicapping it now, I think, you know, it's probably a bunch of organizations looking at each other kind of saying, well, who's going to jump first? Yeah, she has the second best odds, Kara does, uh, for that Celtics job, according to this list, behind only Chauncey Billups. So we'll Right. See. Although Carlisle might be in the mix there. Like you said earlier, yeah, but for sure. Well, Sam, thank you very much for jumping on with us Uh, again. Great, great reporting. You and Tim have just done an unbelievable job on this Maverick story. And it was uh, somehow we find the perfect days to have you on. And uh, today (laughs) was certainly one of those. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you. Talk to you next week. Thanks, thanks, Sam. Sam. All right. uh, Check it out, theathletic.com. And, uh, yeah, like I said, he and Tim have a few – articles up at the athletic about this uh this uh, maverick situation in fact you can kind of watch it unfold story by story it's pretty pretty darn fascinating so as you have ascertained what you have gotten whose fault is this rasputin's just i mean you think that's categorical uh indisputable bob is what they're calling him because i his name is difficult to pronounce but bob (laughs) I like Rasputin, but we'll we'll go with Bob. I, I no, I mean, you know, somebody else has Mark Cuban's ear. You know, Don Nelson had Mark Cuban's ear when they when he initially got the Mavericks and got into the NBA. You know, Donnie Nelson had Mark Cuban's ear. Rick Carlisle had Mark Cuban's ear, I'm sure. Uh, Dirk Nowitzki, whatever, you know, the voices inside that Mavericks organization. And somebody else now has Mark Cuban's ear. I am with Sam, by the way. The, the, his relationship with gambling would make me. Well, Sam, Sam mentioned that there are people in the franchise that were uncomfortable yes. with his reputation uh-huh. with gambling. I, I would certainly agree with that. You don't want to let a fox in the hen house. I mean, that, <laughs> you know, yeah. the, the, the legitimacy of the NBA is very important for a lot of reasons. And if you let that through the door in some inside way, it could really really affect the entire the thing sport. about that so. is that uh, I, I just don't think Cuban is an idiot. Uh, and that 
wouldn't he have vetted that and figured that out? Uh, I don't know, Gordon. People do peculiar things. Yeah, that's true. They 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 listen to folks. I mean, I'm I'm sure I'm guilty of this. Listen to people that they probably shouldn't be listening to, present company included. <laughs> That's probably been true on a couple of occasions, yeah. We'll have more Big Show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.